Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And you join us today, midway through season three, and we're working together through the Gospel of Matthew. Now, if you're here for the very first time, let me just point that there are two previous seasons. Season one, where I did 66 individual podcasts, shorter ones in this format, about eight minutes long each, where I gave a basic overview of each and every book of our Bible. And then we launched off in season two, where we spent a couple of hundred episodes working through the book of Genesis. The plan is to alternate between Old Testament and New Testament books so that right from the beginning you really get a a balance of what the whole Bible, the whole Word of God is really trying to communicate to us. Now if you are here for the first time, the options are to, if you want to, jump back right to the beginning because the podcasts remain on the Buzzsprout website and other places indefinitely. So you can jump right back to the beginning and play catch up for a while until you reach this point or whatever point it is where you join the daily podcast and we work together through what I believe will be a total of a five to seven year plan to work through the whole Bible, Lord willing. So why not consider making the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of your daily life from here on in? You'll be joining thousands, tens of thousands of other people who've made that commitment. So that's it by way of introduction. We'll drop into the main text in a moment, but please hang around at the end where I can update you on a few things and also tell you a bit more about where you can access further teaching and Bible study resources if you want. But we'll do that at the end. So bye for now. Okay, we're jumping off into another little section today in this uh, Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives us some teaching on the swearing or otherwise of oaths. And over the next two episodes, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5 and looking at verses 33 to 37. And I've actually called the overview of this uh, next couple of podcasts to swear or not to swear. So with that in mind, let's just jump off into part one. I remember while planning this episode that how many years ago when I purchased a house, in fact, when my wife and I purchased our first house together, I can't remember why, but I had to swear an oath. It was something to do with the property having what was called a flying freehold. Anyway, as a result of the conveyancing process, Paula and I had to go to a solicitor in a local town called Blackpool. And there they asked us, and I can remember from my point of view, I was told to raise my hand, put my hand on the Bible and take an oath. I had to swear that what I was to say was the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And they asked me to place my hand on the Bible to do it. So I have a question for you, and that is, should I have taken that oath that day? I mean, this was not a question of whether I had done anything wrong. It was simply a matter of requiring me to tell a truth about some situation regarding the purchase of our future and our first home together. But the question is, 
And it troubled me at that time a little bit was, should I take this oath? Because it was sprung on me rather short notice. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, do not swear an oath at all. So was I in violation of the teaching here by Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount by taking that oath that day? Now let me ask you the same question. Have you ever been in a situation where you were asked or even required to swear an oath? It used to be part of the preparation process of getting married under English common law up to about 50 years ago. Who has ever done jury service and by doing so were you required to take an oath? And if you appear in the witness box at the trial, you take an oath under the penalty of perjury. And you take an oath to say that what you're saying, that famous phrase, is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. At least that's the format here in the United Kingdom. But Jesus here appears to say, don't swear at all. So have a significant number of us violated what Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount? Exactly what did Jesus mean here? Well, the teaching that he gives here has indeed some profound ramifications over and beyond the actual taking of the oath itself. So I'm asking, I'm inviting us all to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading as I usually do. I'm going to read the whole section first of all, but then we'll return and work through this short passage verse by verse. So just reading for you, Matthew 5, 33 to 37. And it says this, and remember, this is Jesus speaking. Again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, because you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. So what I'd like to do is for us together to look at the next, in the next two episodes, to first of all look at the command that's given here that appears to be straightforwardly do not swear. And I want to try and give some clarifications as to what I believe Jesus meant by that. And then in the next episode, we'll try to consider some very practical suggestions that actually rise out of a correct understanding of the statement by Jesus. So let's begin with the command itself. The first thing I believe we need to notice and remember is that this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And as we've been going through this sermon and we've come to this passage, I think I need to remind you again that the gist of the Sermon on the Mount is contained within, after he's given the Beatitudes, this gist text, if you like, that overviews the whole thing in the perspective of a 520, which tells us, accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness, of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no way enter the kingdom of God. And having said that, then from that verse onwards, right through the rest of the chapter, Jesus gives six illustrations of what he means by that. He talks about murder, adultery, unauthorized divorce, unlawful attitudes of revenge and hatred. And we've covered all of these over the last few weeks. But now here today, We read him saying, again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. 
but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Now again, he begins by introducing this section, this part of the passage, with the phrase, you have heard it said. And in each of the six areas he's talking about, he is referring back to what is commonly taught by the scribes and the Pharisees about the original commandment given to Moses, not the commandment itself. By Jesus saying, but then I say unto you, he's saying he's going to give a clarification. And he does this each time in each of these six different areas. Notice again, I've pointed this out every time, he does not say it is written. He says you have heard that it has been said. So he's not clarifying or correcting the Old Testament the written word that was scribed on the on the tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, he's correcting the Pharisees' interpretation of that original commandment. Now, the real subject here is, of course, righteousness again. And I want to talk, first of all, about what the Old Testament said in relation to this particular commandment, and then we'll look at what the scribes and Pharisees were saying about it. So the Exodus commandment is straight enough, but clarification and an unpacking of it is done in the book of Leviticus, where it says swearing is totally forbidden in all times and all cases. Here's what Leviticus 19.12 says. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. So the first thing that the Old Testament said here is that you should not swear falsely. And there is no doubt about the taking of an oath in court, that that should be the case. The oath is and was a solemn affirmation made, in a sense, as an an appeal to God to help. And the same thing kind of goes on today, doesn't it, when you swear an oath in court. But the essence of the idea contained and has been contained for centuries is that what we are saying, we are saying it understanding that God is our witness. And the idea is that if we're not telling the truth, God will know it. In fact, we very may well incur his wrath. So when we take an oath, we're appealing to God for the truthfulness of what we're about to say. In the knowledge that God knows everything and knows whether whether, whether what we're saying is true or not. And the fact that we'll be in trouble with him if we don't tell the truth. Let me put it like this. When you're a witness in court, you take a card in your hand and you place your hand in the Bible and you read for the card and you take the oath under the penalty of perjury. And perjury, in other words, not telling the truth in court, is in in and of itself a very serious criminal offence. It'll get you prison time. And many people over many years have gone to jail, not because they committed a specific crime, but because... On that day in court, they didn't tell the truth while they were under oath. Now, what Jesus is dealing with here and what the Old Testament is saying is that you're not just in trouble with the government or the law of the land if you take an oath falsely. It's saying, remember, the core of this means you're in trouble with God, so to speak. The point Moses was making is don't take this oath and then use God to cover your lies. That's exactly what it means, and that's why it's such a serious commandment. 
There's another Old Testament passage in Numbers in which Moses spoke to the heads of the the tribes of Israel about this. I'll just read it for you. It's the opening two verses of Numbers chapter 30. And it says, Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, This is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by pledge, he must not break his word, but he must do everything he said. So the second thing that the Old Testament says is don't swear falsely. And if you do swear, make sure that what you have said you're going to do, you do. In other words, even if an oath is pertaining to an agreement, it's absolutely vital that you make sure you keep that agreement. And this is the backdrop of what Jesus is talking about in this passage. That's what the Old Testament said. And as I said a moment ago, Jesus is not dealing directly with the Old Testament injunctions. He doesn't say, you you have seen it written. He's saying what you have heard since about this. And that's because he's not actually addressing what was written in Exodus, Leviticus or Numbers. He's talking about what the scribes, the religious leaders and the Pharisees taught about what was written in Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. So if the question is contrasting what is said in the Old Testament with what the Pharisees were doing, then what were they saying that Jesus is trying to correct? It's important we know that. Well, let me tell you, here's what they did. And you might be somewhat shocked and surprised by this. The Pharisees had interpreted this to the point where they were saying, if you take an oath and it contains the name of God, that's binding. But if you take an oath and the divine name of God is not invoked in it, in other words, he's not mentioned, then it isn't binding upon you. So the idea behind this is you could use God's name and then God, in a sense, by swearing an oath, they thought became a partner in what you were saying. But on the other side, if you didn't mention God's name, you could swear by anything else and just remember not to mention God's name. Then nothing that you said or did subsequent to that was not binding or in any way affected your relationship with God. Wow. Now you can imagine all sorts of empty promises and agreements that 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 led to. People would go around, and this is why Jesus uses these expressions, it is recorded that people would go around and swear on Jerusalem, or swear by heaven, or swear by earth, or they'd swear on their wife or their children's life, and they felt they were okay to do that, and that those agreements weren't binding as long as they didn't mention the name of God in the oath they took. So swearing became the impression of telling the truth rather than the truth itself. But because they, as far as the people who swore in that way, as far as they were concerned, it was not really binding, which was particularly useful to people who wanted to make cross-cultural agreements with people who were not part of the nation of Israel. On the bottom line of all this, it is the Pharisees' teaching that led people to start using oaths indiscriminately and frivolously, and they were using them primarily to do the very opposite of what they were intended to do, to sidestep agreements, to sidestep the truth. Now, I've racked my brain to try and figure out a modern parallel to this. And the only thing I can remember that sort of fits an illustration of this, I remember when I was growing up as a child in Northern Ireland, I don't really know if this was just a Northern Ireland thing or whether it was a UK thing or it's something else people do around the world. But I remember sometimes, usually children, would swear to tell the truth 
or make a promise to the friend, but if they crossed their fingers behind their backs, because those fingers were crossed, they believed they could actually tell a lie and what they said didn't matter. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I certainly remember it from my childhood. And that's what Jesus is kind of talking about here, because that's, in a sense, what the Pharisees were doing. They were saying, swear by Jerusalem, but because they didn't use God's name in the oath, they felt they didn't have to keep it. But there's an extension to this, in that the people then, and I suspect today, will sometimes use these things to fudge the truth. They'll tell the truth, but just add a little something to it, or remove a little something from it. Telling the truth, but telling it in such a way as to cover up the real truth. So this type of oath swearing can be done frivolously, or it can be done absolutely manipulatively, deceptively. And so with that in mind, we need to see and take seriously what Jesus's clarification of that is. So Jesus here is correcting this perversion of the Mosaic legislation. And that's why he then says, picking up in verse 34, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, even by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black on it. So initially he says, do not swear. Now that sounds pretty absolute to me. I'm sure it does to you. I mean, if you just look at those words by themselves, you could say that that's a pretty absolute statement. Don't swear at all, it appears to say. And as a matter of fact, a number of people in church history have interpreted this to mean that we should never, ever take an oath. Anabaptists and Quakers have made this a universal prohibition on all types of oath. I have a friend who takes this verse very literally and does not feel that he can take an oath, even in court. So there are people today who take this statement literally and they refuse to take an oath. Some good and godly people take that interpretation and some have the courage to carry it out in the face of quite strong opposition. And for that, I suppose they are to be commended. But in terms of the teaching, I believe they're wrong. And I'll try and show you why in more detail in the next episode. But in order to try and understand this, I believe we need to do two things. Firstly, we need to look at the Old Testament passage Jesus is quoting here to make his point and look at the context in which it was written. And secondly, we need to understand the difference between God saying something is absolute and God saying something is universal. And we shall look at that distinction and unpack this more in the next episode. Okay, friends, there we go. That'll do for today. I'll hopefully um, bring this all to a conclusion tomorrow in the next episode. As I said at the beginning, there is always an opportunity to connect with the ministry and more teachings that I do through the episode notes section of this podcast. Now, you should be able to access that through from wherever it is you get your podcasts from. But certainly that, along with the transcript of what I've said, is available in the episode notes page which is always there indefinitely held 
on the Buzzsprout website. There you'll find not only every single episode of the podcast released so far, and it's about 400 now, but there'll also be links there to things like the, the Living in Faith Everyday podcast, the Life podcast, which hosts for a limited time of three months a monthly compilation episode where I edit through an entire section of what I've been teaching in the previous month and put it as a long format monthly episode. Also, my YouTube channel is there, which is the place where the long-term management of all these audio files will be held. Because we get further and further into more seasons and dealing with more themes, what I'm doing there is the compilation episodes, uh, the long format teaching, they are uploaded onto the YouTube channel into the various playlists, either by the book of the Bible or the theme by which they're doing. So if you're looking for something in particular, as this podcast past series gets longer and longer and as the years go by, it would be more difficult to navigate and scroll through hundreds, perhaps even Lord willing, thousands of episodes one day. YouTube will be the place to go where you can access individual episodes by teaching, by Bible uh, chapter or by theme. So that's a good place to go for that. There's also things there like the podcast's Facebook page. And there's also a link to my LinkedIn page and my Patreon page. And that's the place where I post the more formal, structured, discipleship-like courses. There's one going on there at the moment where there's a series of 12 half-hour videos which are attempting to help people create sermons, mainly from an expository point of view. So if, if you're someone who feels that God's called you to preach or to teach, then this will give you some basic tools on sermon, sermon preparation. So you'll find things like that there on my LinkedIn page, my Facebook page, and my YouTube channel, and as well as my Patreon account. Now, the reason it appears on LinkedIn and Patreon is there are some countries in the world where it's very hard to get Christian material into, but LinkedIn seems to be a way in which you can share videos. It's not the usual place you would do this, but it seems to be a place where you can put stuff on and people around the world are able to access it without censorship more easily. And the Patreon page, by the way, is the place where people who support my ministry and partner with it do that. And if you feel called to do that, then you can do that there. Anyway, with that all said, the most important thing that I'd want to say is thank you so much for joining me today. It's amazing and an encouragement for me that what started off as a vision born out of the pandemic has grown to such an extent where so many of us have made the commitment to make this study of the Word of God, not just the reading of the Word of God, but the study of the Word of God, part of the rhythm of our daily lives. And I just want to thank every, each and every one of you for making that decision, because that is enough to encourage me to keep on going. But one other thing, if you are feel you are being blessed and helped by this teaching, why not consider sharing it on those sort of social media type places by liking and sharing that you exist in and operate in because I'm told that's the most effective way in which more and more people will have a chance to see this and maybe make the decision too to make the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of their daily lives also. But with that all said, that's enough for today. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you, I trust, right back here tomorrow on the Bible Project D.
Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.